Welcome to Let's Talk About Treks, an episodic review of today's visions of the future featuring Earl Grey and Jack Dorino. This evening, we briefly see how Jack and Earl treat Leafy, the sixth episode of Star Trek Discovery's first season. I'm just going to totally type it into Google and see how Google pronounced it. Red Lether, yellow Lether. What? What? So, um, we had this conversation earlier about... Uh, hey, hey guys, by the way, this is, this is Jack Garrido. This is Earl Grey. We're, we're talking about trucks, so let's talk about yes, trucks. Oh, actually, let's talk, talk about... about uh, trucks. Yeah, well, I'm talking about Lethe, uh, because uh, we had this conversation uh, earlier, uh, Earl Grey and I, and we were talking about a river in Hades, um, whose water made the souls of the dead forget their lives on Earth. Um, and that river was called the River Lethe. I thought it was the River Styx. Um, Styx was in Hades? It was the river that the ferryman you had to pay the ferryman to cross the river Styx to get into Hades. Oh, okay. So I guess there's uh. <laughs> hmm. Wait, I thought. Uh huh. I'm I'm so good. I'm lost on this. I'm uh, so the river Styx. Huh. Well, there's there's apparently there's more than one river. I guess in Hades. Yeah. I don't know why there's so much so much rivers in in Hades when there's not when it's so hot and there's not supposed to be like uh, you think that like. If it's so hot, you people just jump into the a river, right? Just jump into the, <laughs> yeah, all right. Hades isn't necessarily analogous to hell because I don't think the Greeks had a distinction between a good afterlife and a bad afterlife. I think if if you were worthy of being punished, you were punished in Hades. If you were wor worthy of uh, being rewarded, you were rewarded in Hades. So they kind of all went to the same place, the, the same afterlife for the same underworld. Well, that sounds whack. I, I've never had an understanding of a distinction of a Greek heaven. It's all sounded like, you know, what we, you know, Hades, people refer, Hades and hell obviously start with the same letter. In fact, they have two letters in common, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, E and H, man. The Lord of Mars? Is it Mars? Oh, I can, well, that might be his Mars Greek name. I'm trying war. to think of his Ro Roman I think name. Mars is the god of war. I don't know. Yeah. Who was the, the ruler of the underworld? Uh, uh, I don't know, man. I don't, I'm, I'm stay away from that stuff, man. I'm, I'm going there. It has nothing to do with um, me, so I'm not concerned about it. Wonder Woman is always fighting him. Under, under, I don't. Artemis. I don't know, man. Hey, guess what? Uh, today... Today let's do instead of a um, instead of a Greek history instead of a Greek history podcast today we're gonna do a podcast on um, <laughs> on, on what what you call what you call the name of this episode which is Star Trek Discovery season one episode six what Leith yeah I called it Leithy but you know whatever you want to call it man it's it's a doozy of a thing so uh so we're gonna get right to it they're just picking out aren't they man they love to eat those Klingons. They eat and drink all day long and then they kill people. Like that's their whole, their <laughs> and, whole and yet they keep their their manly physique. They keep their boyish figures. Well no they don't. The no, they, don't they, they tend to get old <laughs> and fat and, and I guess weak according to Kalas. Um I'm sorry, Kalas Kalar is what I meant, because Kalar and Kalas are two confusing names because like why did we create the two most 
important Klingons in my life. Well, the two most yeah, the two, I'm gonna say the two most important Klingons because Worf would ask me not to allow him to be. Hold on a second. What are we doing right here? Are we doing a Star Trek Discovery show? Yes, we are. Why? What? Oh, excuse me. No, I just I forgot, and I was all I was all in my TNG phase, and I was ready to talk about Kalas, 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 Kalar, and Claire. Um, which is why I, I realized like it took me a while. Like when I saw her name in a book, and I was like pronouncing it, and I was like, oh, who's Claire? Who's Claire? And then like I was like, okay, oh, oh that's oh that oh that's Kalar because K apostrophe E H E wait K K apostrophe E H L E Y R will never in any language from the planet Earth be Kalar, but okay, Kalar it is. Um, <laughs> and then uh, and then and then a long time before that, uh, you know, like eighty years before that, there was Star Trek Discovery. So I want to know we're we're looking at the uh, Sarek, yeah, boarding the ship. Is it like the Vulcans? What advancement in technology? <laughs> Devancement? Yeah, yeah. Because by by like the four by de-vance? like the because by like the twenty fourth century. They have ships that are not as cool as this, man. <laughs> well, this is this the first time we get to see an actual Vulcan cityscape instead of like ritual spaces and giant no, statues? That's and... a good point, man. Like, I guess that's I can't. An I mean, well, city. and sing, huh. singular. You, we've seen singular residences yeah, inside and, and like big, on Enterprise, and, but and we've never like, seen a city like desert scapes, you know, like one person wandering and, alone okay so it. here's the other thing i want to know um how many moons does vulcan have uh none sir. didn't i hear there are no moons zero? on vulcan yeah there are no moons on vulcan there's no moons on vulcan there's no like uh, on vulcan i hope not you know what you don't <laughs> silly question i don't know why you <laughs> asked it why do you ask um what is the sil- what what's what's that a silhouette of on on their horizon there and the uh, when they're flying away you know what it is? It's nothing. There's nothing there. I don't know what they're showing a there. Moon? It's not a moon. No, man, it's not a moon. There must be a big brown ship in orbit because that's clearly not a moon. There's no moons on Vulcan, man. Vulcan has no moons. But hey, you know what? Don't worry about canon. We'll just. However, away. however, since that statement was made back in the '60s by Spock, we have since discovered scientifically that. It is very likely that life cannot exist on a planet without a moon without, a moon, without a rith- without the rhythmic pull on the tides, the movement of water and the pull on life and and just yeah. So maybe maybe we're we're looking at a thing where we learn more about science. The, the the science surpassed the fiction and oh. we just figured out oh. oh wait vulcan has to have a moon oh, that's interesting that is a really good point wow so wow okay so we're allowed to correct ourselves moving forward with this whole trek among the stars i would say it would be acceptable that's neat okay so yeah, we were just we made a mistake before you know and now vulcan has a moon no man vulcan has no moons no i don't know I mean, I don't know what to go. I don't know which way to go with this because, like, you know, my heart tells me the Vulcan has no moons because the Vulcan is a cold and lone loner who is a know-it-all and tells everybody about their lives, and uh, and it and it has no it has no moon. But now I'm I, we, I'm imbued with the understanding that that you know, my boy Earl has given me, and uh, Vulcan apparently has a moon, man. I saw it. I, I've seen it with my own two eyes. So the um. So there's this combat simulator, by the way. 
that uh, that yeah. appears in Star Trek Discovery, like at the, at the beginning of this uh, the episode called Lathy, uh, and um, it's pretty pretty dope, man. Like <laughs> like we're walking through Klingon corridors, and I'm thinking that we're on a Klingon ship. I'm like, how do we get back over to Klingon ship? Didn't we already escape a Klingon ship? Why are we here? Like, are you guys, you're like your plans to go around, like getting captured by Klingons and then like breaking out of their well, ships, and that's your victory over them? Like what? Mm. So. Here's the thing. I I want to also know what what's this green little gas coming out of um uh the the what was the I don't know. What was think... the security officer's name? Oh, his name is Ash Tyler. No. Oh. Yeah, Ash Tyler. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, that's his name. Thank you. Yeah. What what's this green gas coming out of him? Is that it? I mean, I don't know what you're talking why about. Why is it green? I don't know what you're talking why about. Why is it get when when he gets hit, uh-huh. he got hit, and uh-huh. there's this green gas or a green, but dude, but dude, but dude, but green but dude, something, but it's but dude, like certainly dude, not. It's a, yeah, it's a Klingon holodeck. blood. It's it's a holodeck, man. So it's like holographic junk. It's a, hol- it's a holographic. So, so like, so like, uh, no. What's up with the? What's up with the amazing... out of him? He got hit. Oh well, I don't know. Maybe he's part Vulcan. Maybe he, maybe he's actually a Vulcan spy to the Klingon Empire. So right, they put they crunch out a Vulcan and they stuck him inside a Klingon and then they crunch out a Klingon and stuck him inside of a human. So he's actually like a Vulcan human Klingon hybrid <laughs> officer. Whatever. Um. Uh, oh, so, this so the Vulcan sent a spy to Kronos. Totally a Vulcan spy. Absolutely, yeah, it's a Vulcan spy. And like Lorel just didn't know. <laughs> uh, what's up with uh, what's up with um, what's up with the holodeck though? Like the, the holodeck, it's holodeck, right? It's holodeck, holodeck. Like it's clearly what that is, right? A holodeck, right? The combat simulator. Like it's the fidelity is re- it's like real. It's like they're in a real place. They're shooting real weapons. So so like when when Riker first goes into a holodeck. You know, in the encounter far point, he's like, "Oh my God, a holodeck!" This well, is they say it later this episode. This is the most. This is the most uh, advanced starship that they've ever had in every way in Starfleet. Now, there, the, the other thing that you, you know, you just said, Riker is like, "Oh, this is a holodeck. This is so amazing." That could just be Riker's first experience with a holodeck. Or a, a really oh. good, you know, it's like so they didn't have when we in upgraded to, okay, cool. to, yeah. Well, it's yeah. like when we upgraded to yeah. HD from standard def, and you see the, your first HD TV, or you see your first 4K TV, or whatever. The, they've always indicated that, that the upgrades that the Enterprise D had was better than whatever came before. So it's not necessarily saying. Yeah, but everybody else had their stuff. Or, or maybe you know, in maybe it wasn't quite a holodeck yet, and there's there certainly are limitations to the uh, training room that they just, Lorca and and Tyler just came out sure. of because they had to use real physical phasers that they locked you know they locked up back into the uh, armory or what. This and so, yeah. uh, so you're telling me they were using? Hang on. So we were using conventional real weapons, so to speak, inside a holodeck, inside the hull of the ship. Mm-hmm. So we were shooting weapons inside the hull of the ship, and the smoke alarms didn't go off, and force fields didn't come down, and what's up with this super well, you, advanced you can starship, set, man? You can set the strength of a uh, weapon to uh, be 
you know, non -lethal. stun yeah, instead you. of kill. Yeah, it's yeah. going to vaporize the hull, even if you, you hit the it. hull. So you could lower even lower than stun, or maybe it's a holographic bullet. Or it's laser tag, you know. <laughs> You're just actually pulling the trigger, and it yeah, pulses of, of okay. light, but the computer senses it. <laughs> oh man! Right. Like, I, I tell you, I really appreciate the fact that you uh, continuously like correct my Star Trek uh, understanding. Like, I'm not. You, no, I'm you, not you correcting like, I'm like, it. No, I'm like, expanding. no, no, you're correct. Uh, no, I'm saying I'm, I'm, I'm expanding. No, I your... agree, 100. percent No, this is a positive thing. Like, because I really, because like, <laughs> okay. sometimes little things will stick, and I'll be like, I don't get it, and like, why does this make sense? And you're like, oh, well, it totally makes sense because of this. I'm like, oh, okay, that's up. Okay, cool, man. Thanks for creating the rest of Star Trek that they left out. I'm sure they meant to write well, those parts. I mean, they're too, not going to go in and explain it to everybody. Well, they meant they should. I so, want to go back and talk about the first experience appearance of the disco shirt. Wow. Oh, dude. Not only that, but it established that this. Yeah, go ahead. It, it established that this is Star Trek disco, not STD. Oh man, you know what? Like I like. I, so I've always liked the the abbreviation STD. I think it's hilarious, and I think it's good. It's it's good. Acronym, I, I guess it is. I think it's ironic, but I think a lot of people make fun of it for that. So That's fine, like this whatever. This is where people... we to actually say no. It's not STD. It's whatever, disco. Man. People make and fun of people all the time. And plus, it's also the name of the of a style of music. Oh, but is then it? The, the next thing I want to point out about the disco shirts, they're uh -huh. sitting there jogging, bobbing up and down. They're going boingy, boingy, boingy. And you'd figure oh, in the twenty third century, they would have had a better restraint than just a regular so, sports bra to keep them from oh, going because that's gonna hurt so and, i'm just gonna point out like i don't know i didn't be wrenching that. your back yeah i didn't see any of that i didn't, I didn't you I didn't no see michael i did not you didn't see michael and tilly nope. bouncing up and down when they're didn't jogging down the it. hall nope didn't see titties <laughs> you did didn't not no i did not i'm notice sure you at didn't all. <laughs> I didn't see only, I saw disco, but the it is disco only is the, like bobbing up and down. Yeah, well, I gotcha. But like, it's only like, it is, it is only this moment that I'm thinking, huh, I wonder if that's true. I wonder if their boobies were bouncing around like for real because I, I just didn't see them. I don't know. Do I get my gold star for the day? I mean, for the day? Because the, the movies what? didn't, they just didn't exist for me. Like, it's fine. Like, it's fine. I'm apply, I got to play them Stargate membership. <laughs> Yeah, it's not even there. Like, oh, she has boobs. They, want, they wanted you to notice them. The show wanted. They like wow. They like waved them all around the screen. Like, hey, David, look at these. And I was like, uh, what? Now, oh, look at her hair. Oh my god, it's so red. It's pretty. Are you calling me a pervert? No, 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 no. I mean, maybe. I don't know. I mean, I think that um, really uh, a lot of people like. I think that everybody. There's like a there's like a perversion scale. I think everybody falls on the perversion scale somewhere on the perversion scale, you know. And and Vulcans, by the way, are like super in the way super perverted scale of Vulcans of of, of perversion. By the way, I don't know because they they like they like meditate about <laughs> masturbation and that makes them feel like they've masturbated. It's really weird, man. It's a Vulcan thing. Well, not only that, rubbing their fingers together Dude. and then yeah, man. somehow oh, sex. God. <laughs> The Vulcans are the most ASMR people on the planet, man. Oh, they're not even on the planet, though. They're, like, out of this world. ASMR? So, you see what I did? Yeah, man. You, 
Uh-oh, here we go. Remind me what ASMR stands for. And so I could not tell you what it stands for. It's, it's, I, what does it stand for? It stands for... Oh, well, like the ASMR videos, like, that make you happy and, yeah, and well, yeah, feel good like, and stuff. That stuff doesn't, like, really, really get me, like, kind okay. of me out, to be honest. Um, but, oh, I just looked up ASMR.com. That's amusing that I just did that, because that's not what I meant by that. I meant to go to... A website such as Yahoo and look up. So this is all editing floor, by the way. ASM.com. <laughs> What's that? Yeah, a porn I'm site? just an idiot. Like, what the hell? That's not how that works, homie. Don't look up <laughs> what I'm looking for. Dot com. That's not how the internet search works, man. So, um, so ASMR is, uh, according to Wikipedia, which is, by the way, at wikipedia.com, not w or dot org, rather not uh, ASMR.com. It's um, it's an autonomic sensory meridian response where like so there's a so there's a, okay so this is the thing so this is a cool thing that I found out so there's a there's a there's a I remember I read this like the other day in in a sort of unrelated way that I came to it um there's like a vein not a vein a nerve right that runs in like it runs from your brain obviously because it all comes from the brain right so it runs from your brain and runs past like your ear canal and then it goes down your back and like all the way to your um your nether regions right your, your nether regions your, your genitalia parts right so when you stick your the front or the back uh the front man not all of us have oh, genitalia okay. in the back just making sure just me the the <laughs> thing is when you well when you i mean it, they're you're right yeah. <laughs> you, nice, nice try to argue but um, well, there's a q-tip um like if you take a q-tip and you stick it in in your ear and like like look a little around <laughs> Like you kind of like hit that nerve right there, so it kind of like for some people it feels like an orgasm, like when mm-hmm. they do the like clean their ear with a with a Q-tip, and like for for me like it just kind of like like it's like a little kind of like, but like that's because there's a nerve that goes all the way down your back, and is connected to your ear, and it's really wild. like I still I, I don't know how I learned this the other day I was listening to um, I was listening to um, what was that it was a science podcast. This episode is brought to you by NPR. <laughs> so uh asmr i think sort of hits like the same sort of nerve that like is so this uh it's mm-hmm. like all the way from the scalp down the back of the head down the back of the neck and the upper spine um it's like paresthesia and so like apparently like sometimes visual sometimes like auditory stuff will make people but i have never experienced any of that oh really yeah, so some people have like a high, an oversensitivity to uh, oversensitivity to it, and some people have like a lower sensitivity to it. Like, uh, and apparently, like it seems to me, it seems to me, I, I seem to get the feeling. When I when I stick a Q-tip too far in my ear, I I cough. There you go. That's it, though. That that's the same thing. That's the same thing. Um, okay. Yeah, there's some people that sneeze, yeah. and like, yeah, there uh, there's a thing about like. Um, so I think that there's a thing happening in uh, a generation down the line from me. I don't know which generation. I don't know when the year this started, but like, there's like a lot of kids and like uh, young adults who are like totally into ASMR. And like, I never knew. I never heard of that before. I never like people have all these creepy ass videos of like people whispering numbers online. And I'm like, I don't get it, man. <laughs> it's cool. Like, enjoy your thing, but you know, it's it's just not not my thing. Hey. Today, well, I mean, I, today on our Star Trek, uh, I mean, science podcast, um, we're going to talk about um, <laughs> science, I guess. Um, so there's that. <laughs> um, I'm gonna... there, there are things that I watch that I just watch for the enjoyment of it, not to learn anything or 
whatever. Well, of course. Apparently, um, it's not Star Trek. Though. I watch it on not? YouTube. Uh, yeah, yeah. Some of it is, but not a lot of it is. <laughs> so, so what but I, 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 I am taking your hint. I understand, and I follow. Seventeen forty nine. What? My um my my browser yes closed. My browser just like closed itself. So. Uh oh. Yeah. Go back to the thing. Oh, and that's Star Trek. So. And I'm, I'm going to CBS.com here. Um, I need to go to Paramount. Uh, so I Plus. I have a question, and we'll I'll repeat it in the show. But why does a shuttle need to have its transponder activated manually after Dude. it's been exploded by a torpedo? Human torpedo. Like, that's a wonderful question. I don't. Well, I mean, there are, thing, there are things. There are things in life today that they just get wet and the transponder goes off and it's automatic because it's like it knows it's in shit because it's not supposed to be wet. You hear about them in airplanes when you're listening to the, you know, the the safety speech. But maybe, maybe Vulcans are so. It is a Vulcan shuttle. Maybe Vulcans are so arrogant that. Oh, uh, you're doing the whole show without us being on. Because <laughs> you, like, you probably won't like, let me do it when we get to the actual man, point. No, I'm trying to like hurry up because like I'm definitely gonna have to like go back and just like put some of this in. Like, just, like <laughs> oh, probably what I was saying. Right, I, I think like right now. Like, we're we're probably, still recording. Like, yeah, we're probably recording right now. Like because like you, uh, you know, like... five, four, three, two, one, go. So, I just want to point out that when you count us down, you have to do it in like normal time, not like it, whatever cadence you feel like. <laughs> like I usually with, try to, but then I I'm want to trip three, you up a little bit and wait make two, you. And I'm, wait, how, where's the. Yeah. So, so, the, so the, um, I don't know. So, I don't know if you asked. I don't know if you. Okay. So, ask a question. I, it hasn't come to the part in the episode yet. Oh, it's okay, man. Because we, because we, we're. Um, it has come to the part in the episode, hasn't it? Oh, maybe not. Oh, anyway, maybe, it doesn't matter. Yeah, they're not watching yeah, it with us, man. They're they're totally not watching it with us. They're just like, because okay. if they were, they would be like, "Damn, look so, at that boy, uh, Ash Tyler." Like, so here's the thing: I never saw Ash Tyler at all. Like, because I don't usually see like boys in Star Trek. I was like, because they don't count as boys; they just count as like you know Star Trek officers, Starfleet officers, you know. So I never like look at him unless they're like, you know, uh, who's, that, who's that boy? Oh, Jonathan Delarco back in the day, boy was that boy you. So like, yeah, I was totally looking at the at Hugh the Borg, but like, you know, I felt weird about it because you know he's a Borg and stuff. He's the Borgs. But, uh, <laughs> and the, but there was never anybody. Yeah. Like, okay, so even like, so like Devin Ali Rawl, he was like boring and scrap, you know. So it was like really nobody to look at. Like, um, so like the first, you know, my first, my first Star Trek love. Is now Eldest Hodge. Now that he's been in Star Trek. <laughs> okay. Great, you know? What a great actor to have in Star Trek. It's dope. It's dope. It's dope. Um, sure. There's a um, there's a thing. There's a moment here. There's a moment here that happens. What's that? that what? What? There's a moment here that happens when uh, when Cornwell comes in to uh, to uh, Lorca's <laughs> office and she's like, "Hey, listen, buddy. What the fuck do you think you're doing out here? Get your shit together." And he's like, uh, yeah, I know what I'm doing, dog. Like, I'm good. I've, I've been, like, rocking this shit out here and saving people's lives to get over it. So, like, 
he is very concerned about his like his, okay. he's very concerned about his um his professional like ability considering that it seems that he's growing unhinged which yeah, we don't know what that is we'll say right now for now but or am I... what what we don't want what so why is he why would they why would they even put him in charge of the federation's most advanced ship after he lost the baran and didn't go down with the ship but yet still they're going to give him the most advanced ship doesn't that logic fly a little strange he, well i'm sure starfleet hasn't you know tried to stick with the ancient tradition of the captain going down with the ship that's kind of antiquated it even sounds silly and foolish when they talk about it in regular star trek yeah i mean okay don't call me silly and foolish bitch i'm not calling you silly and foolish so okay so does it <laughs> i know i know i know this way so like but like okay but it's like a it's like a it's like an unspoken code thing right so even though it's not like expected it's like still like an unspoken code of like if your entire ship and crew blew up and you didn't homie you had something to do with that shit well okay yeah right so like i would immediately be like oh you and we're like picard just said some bad shit about somebody and they were like you think you can take a ship and crew of men and women out into space mm. right so like this guy lost it like picard never lost a ship and crew i don't know man it's just like i don't no, he just got assimilated by the borg I don't know that it makes sense. Who got assimilated by the board? Yeah, well, that's true. Yes, he did. He got assimilated by the board. So here's not. You know what? We're, you know what? Don't try to do that. I'm going to have a whole conversation about why it's okay. You know what? We were watching Star Trek <laughs> the old generation. The past generation. Star, Star Trek the generation before. Star Trek old old guys. Star Trek. So these guys are like old guys. Like, I wish we had met Admiral Burnham in, uh, in... Well, we couldn't have met... Oh, spoilers, sweetie. Never mind. Anyway, um... <laughs> the nebula through which they are flying. I love how this neural stimulate thing looks and goes exactly the same places that Falcons put their fingers when they're doing a mind melt. Yeah, I so I noticed that, and I think that's pretty dope that they like thought it through to like give exactly the right you know hand placement, like because of course that's the way it would work. Yeah, you know, and who invented yeah. this device by the so way? So thank you. Vulcans didn't invent this device, unless this is like okay. So, so is this device like actually meant for like? They, well, they modified a device, so so like there have to be Vulcans who are uh, less able than others. So, like, is this like a, a prosthetic for Vulcans who have difficulty doing this? Is that what this is about? Like, is that where this piece of technology came from? Do you think? What's the title of this book? Oh, it faded out just before. It's, oh, it's Alice's Adventures also, in Wonderland, of course. Oh, is. It? I yeah, yeah. thought she had the, she read this to Spock. So did she re-give it to gift it to her because she already had it. Yeah, she actually I don't know if she gave it to her. She just read it to both of them when they were young, and oh. she gave it to her oh. so that she could do the understand the world is upside down, right side up kind of thing later on in her life. You know, like when she came well, to but, trials. But Michael was reading it to Spock in earlier episodes. Um, yeah, so Amanda actually read it to Spock, and then Amanda started reading it to her. And I think I don't know if like there's a thing oh, that um, there's a thing that happened where like uh, or am I re know, referencing episodes that we haven't talked about you, yet? You may be referencing yeah, they, yeah, you may be talking about like the totality oh, okay. of the relationship between Spock and uh, Michael Burnham, but yeah. it's okay because it's it's not that year anymore. <laughs> 
even though we're oh, doing okay. this episode, this is not then. So we like know that basically like Sarah Spock felt like the love was taken away from him. Um, the love that he could have received mm-hmm. was taken away from him or robbed of him by Michael Burnham mm-hmm. when Michael Burnham was there and Michael Burnham did try to, you know, help a lot out with that, but they ended up hurting more than helping. There is a thing that is revealed in this episode that blows my mind and pisses me off about Sarek forever. I used to like revere Sarek as like the quintessential Vulcan, like he's even better than uh, Spock at being Vulcan, obviously because he's full Vulcan. But like, oh, it's so disappointing that he would do what he did and be so like such a child about hiding it, you know? Like he he robbed uh, Burnham of her ability to go to the Vulcan Science Academy by by uh, by well, deciding that you know he needed the opportunity that, he also for Spock got... to go, but then Spock was like, it was like, okay, you go. To oh, I just thought of something. And he was like, nah, I'm not going there. I'm going to Starfleet. Like he followed. Yeah, his do, do, do you think that Spock did that uh, intentionally to spite his father because he yeah. knew that his father didn't send Michael to the Vulcan Science Academy? So I don't. When think he that... knew that she wanted to go so bad, so. You know what? Let me let me check my history because it may be true that Spock did both. Um, because I feel like oh, that he went both to the academy and the yeah, wouldn't that be crazy? Other academy, like it may be like you know, it may just be just like I don't um, think he did. Um, uh, it may be a thing that you they know, always, like Al- they always indicated that Spock chose to go to the academy instead of the Vulcan Science. Yeah, academy. yeah, yeah. That's true. That's 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 it. That's what he did in twenty two fifty. Yep, you're absolutely right. Um, I don't yep. know if his decision was motivated. I want to back up for a second thing. here. Yeah, man. What's up? Mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead and finish what you were saying. Um, I think maybe I don't know if he was motivated by what Sarek did, but he there. I don't know, man. I, I'm who's to say? I don't know if if he ever knew that Sarek did that because he, he didn't lose anything for it, you know. So who knows? But go ahead. Well, so um, they were speaking about the transponder, and they've got to wake up Sarek in order to for him to activate the transponder. Why? In the 23rd century, does a shuttle's transponder signal have to be activated manually when there are things in the 21st century that automatically activate a transponder signal when it can tell that shit's gone wrong? (laughs) Like, for real? I mean, whenever your ship is flying through space, you should have a transponder on it because who knows what the frog could happen. Right, so like your ship goes tumbling yeah, out of yeah. nowhere, like the thing should always be on. Like, why do you turn it off? You, well, like, if if you get yeah. like if you do run into something I'm... and it hurts you and you can't move, then like you can't turn it on. Then you might as well just leave it on all the time. Whenever your yeah, ship is flying, yeah. turn it on. Whenever it's on. The yeah, there there is the aspect that yeah, Federation shuttles would normally just automatically activate a transponder but maybe is it possible that in this time time frame that the vulcans are just so arrogant that they think well nothing's ever going to go wrong we've been in space for 100 200 years um and we we don't need an automatic transponder we can if we need the transponder it's uh you know it's illogical right. to have something you know automatically come on that means it's got to be using some sort of power the whole time where we can just power it down completely and only use it when we logically need to so we will logically need to have it manual so it's not wasting energy all logic 
entirely because it's illogical <laughs> not to have a safety device available and operating before you get into danger. You want you don't like it's it's too late. Like once you've jumped out of the plane, you can't then put the parachute on. You know what I'm saying? Like it's too late, Holmes. You can. People have. You, yeah, you, I mean, you, watch you would have movies. to have you would have to have the parachute with you at least. You can't be like, oh, we'll go back and get a parachute and then bring it to me. And then chasing, like, yeah, yeah, or chasing, chasing it out of the airplane. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like, uh, oh, I gotta tell you, the uh, the fight scenes between Michael and Sarek are actually really, really good. I'm usually yeah. not like I don't go in for fight scenes usually, yeah. and like movies that are like fights all the way through are yeah. like really dumb to me. Like, although explosions are neat, but like, so yeah. these fight scenes are like visible. It's all. It's very rare that like my eyes can follow the action in a fight scene because fight directors are usually yeah. quits. But like this guy, whoever's doing this shit, this stuff right here, is doing a really good job of making it all very clear and very like concise. And like I can see everything that everybody's doing. It doesn't look like some magic thing just happened out of nowhere. Like uh, you know what happens when Romulan guards attack you on the stage. Yeah. Fight choreographers. Yeah, I think they're stunt coordinators. Yeah. Is that that, that too. Um, I was try. I was trying. I was trying to watch myself and try and see if they were trying to do something with the fires and using the heat vapors so that whenever m the real Michael is watching the dream or the memory, maybe she she saw it only through the heat vapors of the fire. But I guess they didn't try and do that. No. So that she could tell that this was not real because it was all shimmery and, and, and vibrating because of the heat. But this is real. But, this is something that really happened, you know? And it's all really in his memory. And, it is really happening. Yeah. Yeah, but he's experiencing a memory and not... It's a memory of exactly how racist Vulcans are. Because Vulcans are the most racist <laughs> species in the planet. They're so frilling superior. Well, you mean speciesist. But yeah, they'll chew well, you sure. out with the drop of a hat as soon as you're speciesist. Oh. Yeah, man, like, if, yeah, sure. Well, I don't know if they will. Will they chew you out of it? Do they care about racism? I don't think they care about speciesism. Well, like, it's not logical to not be speciesist because you should, of course, believe that you are the pinnacle of evolution because if you don't, then you'll never believe that you can achieve as much as the next person, right? So, of course, we think we're the best. Everyone thinks they're the best. To Paul pulls Archer out on it as soon as she has the opportunity to. Well, you know, Tapal was, uh, or maybe it my, wasn't Archer, maybe it was Trip or somebody else. But to my understanding, Tapal was an atypical Vulcan. Oh, okay. So, I had a little thought in my head when I was watching the uh, the scene where the admiral and the captain having their discussion in their oh, sure, yeah. Uh -huh. The admiral's bringing up. And she's all like, "Well, don't you remember this, that, and the other thing?" And I'm oh, like, yeah. "No, he doesn't. This yeah, is not your Lorca." <laughs> yeah, he totally doesn't know what the fuck you're talking about. He's like, "Oh, he we were in a relationship no idea before. What you're talking about. Yeah. Well, we're gonna smash oh, oh, now. And we he just now? wings it. We smash it or not?" And he's like, <laughs> "She's like, uh, yeah, we we've been doing this for years." And he's like, "Oh, really? That's cool. Let's get it." <laughs> I don't mind if I sleep with this pistol, do you? Like, Kind of wings it. The toll that's taken from these mind melds is really blowing my mind. But like mm -hmm. he reached so like he didn't mean to reach out, but he reached out to her by accident. Like, like he's gonna pretend like he didn't know any of that happened, right? Like, because mm -hmm. it seems to me, if I if I recall correctly, and I mean you're recalling correctly, but didn't he like seem to indicate that like he didn't he didn't experience the same thing that she did? 
that he just like reached out and she came. Oh, I don't know. Or maybe I'm missing something. Yeah, I don't remember either. But I tell you. How did she go up there with his hand backwards? Why not turn your hand over? Or Man, use your I don't other know. Hand? You know what? <laughs> These Vulcans and their sense of logic is flawed, Holmes. Like, what is happening? Like, what? Why in the world would he. You're right. This is a good question. Vulcans are I mean, stupid he's, now. He's sitting up and he's looking at it. You know what? <laughs> Vulcans are now real dumb. Okay, this is what I've decided for the new <laughs> for the new Star Trek. Now we went back Did in I time. Ruin Vulcans for you? We just yeah, I mean we realized that the Vulcans forgot they had a moon. Um they forgot that like logic meant to like make two things that make sense, like, you know, safety. And then they also forgot that when you push buttons, you could use the front of your hand because it curls that way instead of like the back where like you can't, evolutionary you can't bend it man <laughs> and they're like well you know what they're, that's what they're doing they're trying you're, to affect you're, you're their they're a... trying to affect, affect their evolution they're trying to make all of themselves double jointed yeah. so they're continuously using yeah. the back of their hands to touch things so that they can be double jointed they're transforming themselves into the Suluban oh yeah yeah that's totally what they're doing that's the word I was looking for this, they're not Suluban <laughs> okay, so like all, genetically altered Suluban yeah man they, uh, they, they wake up in the morning and like they did the thing and then he's like bah, 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 bah. <laughs> I'm gonna shoot you with a gun she's like uh bitch yeah, you gave me all that jamming last night and then you're gonna try to shoot me fuck out of here Captain Looker you getting off this ship Captain Looker you're gonna be Commander Looker soon get out of here yeah, you're out of here, homie. He's like, you know what? <laughs> I'm never going to help you out. Why wouldn't you expect it? Just freaking... I don't get why it freaks her out so bad that he sleeps with a gun under his pillow. Man, because he's we don't... Know, he's in war. We are Starfleet. No one's hmm. invading this ship without letting you know that it, within enough time that you can go get a weapon. <laughs> homie, you don't have to sleep with a gun. Like, we're going to let you know. If we see some Klingons on sensors, let you know. We're going to let you know. Hey, they'll be here. And by the way... If they come close, we can spore jump out of here. Just so you know, like, we can move real fast. Like, so, homie, don't sleep with your gun. That's just dangerous. What if you wake up in the middle of the night and you might accidentally shoot your girlfriend? Come on, man. Get yourself together. Don't eat your gun. Ah, <laughs> uh, man. So, so like, do you think there's any for other than the fact that clearly he doesn't remember that they're flashbacking, do you, man, do you think there's any other foreshadowing about Lorca in this episode? Uh, you know, I not you know, I I gotta say that Lorca was a walking foreshadow machine. Like everything he did really makes sense for him. Like, okay, so why why did he, why did he get Burnham? We don't know Lorca like, before. Like the whole reason he went after Burnham we don't know is because he was, was in like love with Burnham. Us. Like he was totally in love with Burnham. And there's no reason that he should keep going back to this escaped prison, this uh, this freed prisoner that he freed. You know, like this is this is Trump who granted who granted um, a clemency to like all of his friends, and now he's out on a starship, like hopping around, helping him out, do things, right? Like, so he went and he got somebody he was in love with, mm -hmm. sprung her from jail, and has made I can't her. Can't believe you just use that name. There's, there's like a moment. Star Trek. Yeah, man, I, I constantly do because Lorca Trump, like that's that's that is... like you you backstabbing bitch. Mm hmm. Okay. Well, so my question is, or an interesting perspective could be, did they even know that Lorca was uh, from the Mirror Universe until they actually wrote it into the script in the episode that they jumped into the Mirror Universe? You know what, it's like, oh, was... we, uh, we just want to do a Mirror episode. Oh, wait, no, let's just decide no, that no. Lorca is no, from no, the... Totally. 
totally from the start. Like I, there are I, certain I, things I'm, that I'm 100 certain that this season was written as like a lot of the elements to this season. Maybe not the Vulcan mind meld, like the, the trans-dimensional Vulcan mind meld from like 40,000 months, like whatever, like light years away. Um, the uh, <laughs> a lot of the elements of this were written way from the beginning, and they always intended to go to the mirror universe. I honestly believe that the first two seasons were pretty much well, well, like were pretty well fleshed out for the most part. Not fleshed out, pretty, pretty well frameworked before okay. we, you know, and I think we had uh -huh. two years to start writing season three. I think the most, the bulk of the writing that we've been doing for the last two years, mm. we being Starfleet, you, me, us, those are who are watching the show. <laughs> I know we're not the writers, but we, we feel like we are. Yeah, this is our creation. So, so the, um, so the, um, it's actually not our creation. This is our history. Okay. This is, this is the thing, thing, the parlance sure. that we can trade in. The, uh, you're so I think the fuller, uh, am I, you're doing your, is it nighttime? Is it time yeah. to talk about Star Trek? So, so I think the fuller encouragement <laughs> wrote, like, had it had a framework for the first two years. And I think that the first captain was always intended to be a mirror universe captain, like whoever it was. Um, and then the, uh, I think that they were gonna, I, I, I almost feel like they were gonna, they were gonna take, they're gonna have Giorgio. Giorgio was gonna be, you know, there and then like, when they go to the mirror universe, she's gonna be like, "Ha ha ha! I'm the emperor, right?" But am I spoiling uh -huh. some? Wait, what am I spoiling? Oh, I'm spoiling later in this season, aren't I? Yeah, uh, I like are... this little bit with 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 with, with Michael and Tilly here. Like, you know what? I told you that there's only one path to becoming captain. And she's like, "Yeah, no, you're fine." Yeah, that's and the one I'm gonna use. She's like, "We good." <laughs> There, there, there is, but I like how she, had, you know, comes forward and admits, no, there, there, there can be millions of ways to become captain, and yours is as good as anybody else's. And I accept you for who you are and the way you want to do things. And she's like, sure. yep, sure, I'm 100%. fine. <laughs> um, so I think they call Christopher Fuller planned that whole thing out. They knew the mirror stuff. They knew they knew the characters. They knew the Klingon spy. Yeah. You know, like they knew that they were going to do some heavy, you know crossover with pre Star Trek Star Trek people you know like I think that was all kind of like worked out so that we had enough time to write okay. season 3 like effectively and well because because season 3 oh, we always knew was going to be a rebirth right so like what, oh oh gosh I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm super spoiling everything but yeah like this is, this is a really good story <laughs> it is a really good story like I love the story of you know of uh, of, of Tyler and Burnham right. and, it, and it hurts and it sucks but it's real like and I hate the story of, and I like the story of Tyler because Tyler's fucking cool. Like they, they crunched the Klingon down into a human body. Damn, I wish they'd done that with me. Pretty dope. And like the, <laughs> the, the, the spore jobby with the, with the, like, you got, you got your heroin needles in your arm. What the hell is going on around here? Like what? <laughs> this guy's tripping out. He's injecting mushrooms. That's dope. Like, cause anybody, if anybody's <laughs> listeners have ever done mushrooms, um, I, uh, I saw a little village little tiny village is over in the grass a little and they're like yeah and they were like there was like a, it's like a smurf village are you right? talking about like, the smurfs yeah 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 like, <laughs> big mushroom, little mushroom you people big, get out that like in mushrooms, and like i could see them like hopping up on yeah so if psilocybin mushrooms was your um <laughs> yeah so no the uh, smurfs and watch this little village for like 10 minutes and like the girl who was with me like danielle she see daniel watched the little village with me too and she totally could see it and i could see it and i was like okay it's not there, but I'm watching them people, and I'm being careful. I don't want to step on them. 
But anyway, we weren't talking about uh, Sandal Eclipse of the past. <laughs> um, we were talking about Star Trek. And um, one important aspect of Star Trek <laughs> is that we're all reaching out and trying to gain friends. And guess what? Burnham's yeah. always reaching out. She's always taking care of everyone else around her yeah. because she's responsible for the entire universe because everything's always her fault. <laughs> <laughs> she's always emotionally overcompensating. Let me tell you this cruddy shit that Gabriel Lorca did. Gabriel Lorca was captured by the Klingons, right? And his crew came and saved his ass, right? And yeah. then the crew, they were like, hey, listen, listen, y'all. Y'all weren't supposed to go and save Lorca. That's not what the hell we told you to do, right? So what, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> like, what well, doesn't matter? Like, man, we even saved him. It's cool. Like, he's saved. It's, it's great. He's here. And so what he does is he allows Admiral Katrina Cornwell to be abducted by Klingons in his stead. And guess what happens then? He says, no, 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 no. Let's not go get her. They say don't go get people. Oh, no, no. You know, it's the other way around. They went and rescued uh, Sarek, right? Yep. Because they could, right? And then and they didn't go rescue Katrina because they were like, I don't know. Oh, no, no, no. I she's she's, she's trying to take my shit from me. So, no, 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 no. Did, leave, did, leave did he other. know that they were going to capture her? Man, I think that he knows that if you travel in a shuttle by yourself to, to be surrounded by a bunch of Klingons and some big, fishy, scary looking people like Antikins, then, like, yeah, man, like. Antikins? Yeah, like. Yeah, remember the Antikins in Belay? They were yeah, like I some of them. They were like wolf. Yeah, so like, weren't the Antikins the one that looked like fish people? No, they were the ones that they were the wolf thief. Oh, well, I must be talking, Are you sure? Okay, I must be talking about the Soleil then. I'm actually not even talking about the Soleil. I'm talking about the ones that uh, Mick, uh, what was it, Mick Jagger? I don't know. Somebody, somebody, uh, no, Fleetwood make. I don't know. Macwood Fleet. I don't know. Somebody played a big old fish person on uh, on Star Trek: The Next Generation. Now they didn't. They didn't get to say anything. Um, because they're all dressed up in this old, big old, tall I, fish guy thing. Yeah, right? the, the 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 fish assassins that yeah, they, they were exactly they traveled yep. in. Uh, told them, called them out. Looked on. I was like, no, hold on, y'all don't know those bitches are assassins. What the fuck is y'all doing? It's exactly <laughs> what she said to them, word for word. And O'Brien was like, damn, she's smart. I want to I want to point out something here really quick. Yeah, please point out something about Star Trek Discovery. Have you ever noticed the weird things that Saru is always doing with his hands? Man, Saru is the weirdest fracking dude. Okay, so Saru <laughs> swings his arms back and forth, like side to side, behind his back, right? Because we yeah. go front to back, right? When we're swinging our arms, walking down the street, blah 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 blah. I'm swinging my arms, right, well, back and forth. He's swinging them left and right across his body, and. I don't know. Like, so there's a clop sound that he makes. Like when he's talking to you, it'll just be like blah blah blah, go up. I'm like, what the fuck is? What the hell is that sound? He just make what? Yeah, there's a there's a weird like sound. It's like a it's a weird sound that he makes, and I'm like, what the fuck is that sound? But it happens like it punctuates his sentences and it like accentuates his emotions. It's I don't really know weird. if I've ever it's noticed like, a clop. Yeah, you gotta listen to it. Like he'll talk oh, and it'll okay. be clop, and it's like I don't know. It's it's almost like a punctuation, like like when the Zahians um will like blink their eyes. It's it's really it's huh. really odd. And it took me it, it took me a little while to realize that it was happening. But then when I went back and watched it, it's like yeah, he's been clopping this whole time. Like he's always just clop clop <laughs> clop. So yeah, I mean. It it's the the hand thing. I mean, he's doing gestures on his sides, and it's yes, almost man. Like as so if he's what, trying to do a dance or a ritual, or yeah. So so what like he's, he's maybe got maybe maybe he's experienced gastral discomfort. So what he's doing is he is uh, making sure to showcase the work of the makeup team, makeup team, the effects team. Right? Because <laughs> he, you know, he's like, would you guys look at these beautiful hands that I have? These hands are so trippy, and they look so real. I'm going to place them right beside my penis that's showing in every episode. 
Rep zone. Because it's because he's up on heels, I think. He's like he's up on these heels. And when he's up on these heels, it's like thrust his hip forward. So it's like, homie, you're that's it. It's right there. It's right there. Like every episode, it's right there. Like what are you doing? Like get out of the center seat. Like go sit down somewhere because we don't need to see that. Zoru, the little fish, the little fish. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah, go ahead. Are you talking about his fear erections or his? No, 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 the other erection. It's the other direction. It's the human okay. direction. Yeah, yeah, like he's got like a little fish tentacle that's like sticking out. Like his little fish tentacle. I don't think I've ever noticed this. <laughs> How could you not notice them? Is what I'm thinking because like, but, but I didn't notice the boobies, so I get why you didn't notice the fish tentacle. <laughs> <laughs> hey, okay. I mean, I, I, I'm not necessarily, I'm not. Yeah, but you know, I'm just saying. You, like, you you're know, playing me off now as like this heterosexual now. <laughs> like super, super, super heteronormative macho dude. You got like a cache of guns and guns and liquor in your attic. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I. That's totally not. That's totally not my boy Earl Grey. Because Earl Grey is a much more refined gentleman, and he's so refined that his gentlemen are refined along with him. Um, no, but yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't. I don't mean to. Um, I don't mean to yuck your yum or anything. I'm just saying, like, uh, you know, I don't know what I'm saying. I'm probably gonna cut all this out. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> well, so listen. Uh, let's talk about. Uh, so these these Star Trek uh, Discovery season one episodes. I'm going to admit, uh, they 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 may not be our most crowning achievement. They are important because they're foundational to the rest of this show. I promise we'll get better, guys. Coming, it's coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. As will uh, Star Trek Discovery. Although it's not bad now, I gotta tell you. The uh, there's one thing that I wanted to point out, and that's that uh, throughout my life I've enjoyed the genetic variation of Klingons. Like it's really neat to look at. Um, I don't want to say okay. that it looks like a ball sack, really, but <clears throat> wait, what, what, what? The, Where uh, on their forehead? So like we've noted. <laughs> so like Worf has a particular ball sack forehead, right? And Alexander has the same ball sack forehead, right? And well, he has a very similar one, I should say. It's a little bit of Kalar and a little bit Worf, right? And I should say it's a lot Worf and a little bit Kalar because Kalar only has a little bit Klingon, right? So, like, when you see the Duras family, like Toral has the same thing, and Betor and Lorsa, Lorsa have the same thing, right? And the uh, and I started seeing elements of that in this episode, whereas before all the Klingons literally looked the same. Maybe I'm being racist by saying that, but they looked the same because they were the same damn skull on them. But now. They had like a lot of variation. Like in the first episode of Star Trek Discovery, the um, the Klingon, the genetic variation between Klingons was a lightness or darkness in skin tone, right? But now we've remembered. Oh yeah, they got different skulls because they have different lines, and there's genetic variation and everything, and mutation, and things move down the line. Yeah. So I saw, you know, different like clearly, like the Nas, like they clearly everybody has like different skulls a little bit, right? And I like how that they've tied that into the future general canon from the 24th century. And I feel better about Klingons now. I, you've, you've done it, Star Trek Discovery. You won me over to Klingons. Damn it, they're Klingon now. They're Klingon. Welcome. That's, that's, I'm off my soapbox, man. I'm done. That's it for now. You've muted yourself. Okay, so we're going to pause the show. And now we're back. I'm back. Hey, you're back. All right. I was talking about Klingons like the whole time you were gone. That's like I heard. I, un I unplugged my earphones so that I could hear and make sure that you kept on going. Um, yeah, I didn't notice your little mute thing, but anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so like, uh, 
So, so I appreciate that about this episode. I also appreciate appreciate about this episode the uh, continuity. I also appreciate about this episode that Lorca did that duplicitous shit that he did with Admiral Cornwell because that gave us a clue right from episode six. Something's off with this dude. Like something's he's not right. And he, yeah. he as a trained Starfleet psychologist, told us he's not the fuck right. He's not fucking right. He's not right. Something's wrong with him. There's there's, there's something about him. And well, um, what what continuity were you talking about? The continuity of like, man, like they're showing us like, okay, they're con- they're, they keep they're keeping the story going. You know, like they're keeping the story going well, and they're keeping the elements of the story that we don't realize are important going. Mm-hmm. And they're keep they're make, making sure to let us know along the way. Hey, we're coming to something here. We're on our way to something, but they uh-huh. they're not making it they're not making it seem like totally alarmist. But it is a moment, mm-hmm. you know. And the moment yeah. when he leaves her, which seems out of spite, he's out of spite. But that's not that's not Starfleet Captain shit. Like we don't do that shit. Like we don't. Come on now, because okay. if you're going to save lives, you're not going to not save them because they're Romulan. We're saving lives, right? Yep. So like. Why can you go save Sarek, but you can't go save your own girlfriend, yeah. lady, yeah. person, smash, buddy? So, um, I thought it was very, I, I noticed this for the first time, I don't know why, but, I mean, obviously, Mr. Kirk didn't have any windows in his quarters. Um, yeah. But I did, I, you know, I, I noticed, like, a big, huge difference for the first time, I don't know why, but... Uh, the size of the windows that Lorca has in his quarters compared to the size of windows that Picard is always looking really? out of. That's because Lorca lives in Ten Forward. <laughs> like his, his windows are are enormous. Like the panoramic view is incredible. Like that's those are the perks of being a Starfleet captain. Like, but Lorca's them. windows are small. Man, we just panned up to him and he was looking out the little slits, yeah. barely able to. He, you can do a slit experiment for the a quantum slit, slit. I don't know what it's a quantum slit stream. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, that's we could do a quantum slit stream. And we go yeah, from Captain's quarters to Captain's quarters to Captain's quarters to Captain's quarters to Captain's quarters I did not say quantum. Oh, my God. What is happening? We have devolved. This show has degenerated into fart jokes and penis humor. <laughs> and apparently, literally. Literally doing creep and cock jokes all episode one. So, I, nobody is, said queef uh, I know, I know. Queef quote or quaff. So, what did you think of this? Uh, what was your what was your take on this episode? From, uh, give me a let's do a let's do a one to ten scale. I like scaling things by numbers, and those are numbers. And <laughs> one is the lowest, and ten's the highest. Why don't you pick one of those to apply to this episode? Um, you know, it was a stepping stone to something else. You know, I mean, Michael was able to reach out to her father, and her father still kind of disappointed her on the emotional scale, on on the EQ. You know, I I don't know. I mean, it's they're not speaking Trek quite yet to me. You know. Okay. So here's what I here's what I'm going to tell you. Let me get a number because I'm maybe, raring maybe. at the I'm, I'm chomping at the bit. Like ready to go. Maybe a five. I'll I'll tell you, I'll take your five and I'm gonna raise you another five, man. 
because this episode, like the visuals of this episode are dope. When we're coming down over Katrina Cornwell's head to her fucking, <laughs> her fucking massacre is about to happen. That is an incredible like pan down. I love it. It's great. So the visuals when we do when we do the eighty five thousand light year fucking mind melt, which is impossible, where Michael's like, bah, 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 which is like the same effect as like Deanna Troy floating around in space, going, "Where are you? I'm trying to find you to tell you." Right, like that, they did this effect like way better this time, right? Like they they corrected Eyes something from the in the dark. Yeah, one moon circles. So like, yeah, um, uh, the uh, the the when they shift when they're in the holodeck and they do the shooting and they shift to it, that was pretty cool. Um, I even enjoy the the use of the replicator and like the re- fact the replicator like talks to you and it's like, hey, this is good stuff for you. This is really bad. I like for you. that. Yeah, so that was dope. a nice yeah. little tidbit there. Yeah, I and of course, like I will always give the visual effects effects team a ten, right? Because their their visual effects are incredible, right? Um, yeah. But the set designers, the and let me tell you, that was not a mistake that Saru does these things with his hands. Like the makeup team definitely said, dude, you got to show them these hands, man. Because these hands don't look like gloves. These hands don't look like <laughs> yours, man. Use them and own them as they are yours, because. Um, Doug Jones is a really he's, a, he's part of he's a member of the mind mime community, right? So like he could not have on anything Saru and give us Saru and we would see Saru, right? So like mm-hmm. he works he works with the makeup team and they make him look good and he makes them look good. And I think that's beautiful. And I think that mm-hmm. all of that deserves a number ten and they are number ten. This is a really great episode. I really I gotta tell you, my first time through watching this episode, I was so boring. You were asleep. Yeah, man, it was so boring. I was like, "Oh my god, what is happening with this mind meld? Why are we going through this?" And blah blah blah. And then when we get to the end, and I'm like, "Wait, wait, wait, wait what's happening with Katrina Cornwell and the sushi rolls in the back? Like, what's going on?" Um, sushi rolls. Yeah, it's sushi rolls, man. They they definitely chopped up those sushi rolls and made the green. <laughs> <laughs> like totally. 100%. Well, and they totally, you know, that little building they were in reminded me of a Tie Fighter. And I, um. Yeah, and I had to go back and watch the episode like a few times, and I was like, "Oh shit! Wait, hold on. This episode's really good. This episode." So they they're doing this thing where they like they like couch a lot of like important stuff and stuff that is really ready to put me to sleep. But then when I go and I watch, and I'm like, "Oh, I see y'all are thinking like y'all because y'all are putting some thought into this show." Okay, cool. That's dope. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's go. Let's do some Star Trek. Um, so I'm digging it. You know, like I think it, I think it's okay. I think it's I think it's good stuff. Um, and I really have t- made it. I made mean, quite a turnaround um, from the time I first watched this episode till now, and like this episode has become like foundational to like what Star Trek Discovery does, and let's give us something that's visually stunning and emotionally like incredible, and also like. Well, I I, I did love the uh, whole uh, uh, Christmas nebula there, the green and the blue. Oh, it's so pretty! <laughs> pretty. It was so fake, man. <laughs> I don't know, man. Fake. It just like I don't know. Like to me, it looked like you had you know the little like project. It's so funny that this has come up twice in my day today. Like the little projector, right? <laughs> like the little like galaxy. <laughs> like that's that's the one that I don't want, right? Like it's the one that looks chintzy, right? Because it has like the orange green pattern, red patterns, and they they at least repeat again and again and again. There is one projector though that does like a nebula, and it makes it look like real ass nebula with gas and stuff. I don't know what that projector is, man, but it's dope, and I want it. But... <laughs> they should they should have used that projector instead of the one they used that just has like the circulating plates. It seems silly. Uh huh. But uh, I think that's the yeah, show. Man. It, is that yeah? Is that is that it? Like is, is there, is there think, no more? Yeah, I, I hit all my notes. Wow. So that's uh. 
Oh, is that a long episode? I don't even know, man. It seemed like seemed like time time just passed, and there was no time to pass. Well, there were there was a couple times where you're rambling and talking really fast, and I had it was a little too fast. I couldn't process fast enough to like think of a comment. Oh man, that's good. So like, I'll just keep doing that. Let's keep Whatever. I'll, I'll, I'll let it go. <laughs> okay. Well, I guess that's not co-hosting, man. But that's my fault. That's on me. So you know, problems will get better, guys. <laughs> Oh, we're going to put this I mean, in the I show? Promise, I don't know, man. Like, you, I guess we'll find out. And they'll find out with us. Oh, uh, yay. I, I don't know, man. So, Because uh, they never said goodbye. So, oh, well, guys, we can um, cut that back we'll, uh, in. And... And, yeah, we'll do that. You know, um, so so listen. Um, I'm going to bumble over it because I don't have the page open anymore. Uh, do you have the ability to tell us what the next episode is? I do. Our next episode is going to be... Uh, season one, episode seven, magic to make the sanest man go mad. I'll tell you what. I am looking forward to this episode. This episode is great. This episode is nothing but a, um, what the hell is that show called? Oh my God. What was that show where they just blew up the ship again and 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 again on the Enterprise D? Oh, you mean the Enterprise? The episode opened with the ship blowing up and I'm like, oh my God. And it broke my heart. And then I was like, and then we came back from personal and everything's cool. I'm like, all right, cool. And they blew it up again. I was like, oh my God. And it just kept giving me like flop sweats. Every like five minutes because they have blown up the damn ship and I'm like, would you stop blowing up my childhood home, please? <laughs> um, <laughs> well, the hard thing is, is I, I've, I've never been a fan of Harry Mud episodes. Oh man, I, this is a different Harry Mud though. I, let's, I didn't under, you know I what? understand the appeal of Harry Mud. Hey, Why do they what? have to keep on bringing him back? I'll write a treatise about it and we'll talk about it next time on Let's Talk About Tracks. <laughs> We'll see you next week, next week, guys, with the magic for the sanest man or whatever it is. Magic to make the sanest man go mad. That's the one, man. See you next time, Earl. Take care, Gray. I'm, I'm Jack Holmes. Oh, Dorino. Yeah. Intro and outro music features samples of Awakening by Waterboy from Pixabay.